What's the farthest sound you can hear right now? Farthest away. What's the loudest sound you can hear right now? What about the, the quietest sound? Trees, trees moving all the time, leaves brushing up against each other, the wind sort of just always moving, water, we, we live beside a, a lake so we've always had that close connection to water. It's very peaceful out there. It's quiet. It's, things are happening without you. And so you know your place. Sound between you know Thunder Bay and Fort Hope, there's a big difference just because there's more things going on here. You know, there's more people here run by each other doing doing their own thing. It's almost constant. Like I remember when I was younger, the first couple of years were pretty overwhelming just because there was that constant. It was like constantly on, you know. Like, and how do you turn? your brain off when there's all this noise. in those spaces, but to not have to get louder. You know, it's like to be quiet, actually to do the opposite, you know, and to, to figure out how to communicate in a world that's aggressive, really, you know, in a lot of ways. And the loudest and the strongest person is, you know, the one that always takes space, you know. But it's like learning how to do that 
uh, but in my own way. Now I'm starting to get to know, sadly, I mean, my mom's 75, but I'm starting to get her to know her communication style, finally. But because I was schooled in this Western way of, like, communicating, that really snuffed out, you know, like, that, that opportunity, you know, in, in my mind and the way I thought and the way that I see the world was developed in, these, in this institution, you know, and developed around these people. And not only developed there, but also that, because of course everything that we know, right, is like, you know, with the residential schools and, and you know, the whole colonial violent history has, you know, tried to erase my, my thinking, tried to erase my way of being and, you know, um, my beliefs which are my grandmothers, my great-grandmothers, my great-great-grandmothers, and so on and so on, right? It's like I almost lost two generations of communication because I believed that, that, that my way wasn't good enough, I guess. My adult years, I phased into video camera and used the video camera as my voice to capture uh, issues that were important to me and also that were close to my heart. It's a really great first start of listening because you can't really talk. <laughs> so you're sort of kind of forced into the position of you have a job to do, this is your job, and it involves no talking. More than ever, I think, there's a need for people to listen because the greater community does need uh, people to listen to them and their experiences because these truths are coming out. And because of the truth and reconciliation, um, more and more people are, of course, sharing their truth. And they're also paving the way for other people to do the same because it's scary. Sharing your truth is scary if you're not used to doing that. Especially those with privilege, power, and a voice. I have a message for you. Over the past several weeks, as we have grieved and continue to mourn over the killing of our women and our young ones, I am sadly aware of your silence. Silence, complacency, fear, lack of real courage. I don't know how to interpret your silence, but it is heart-wrenching and 
as an artist, I really feel drawn um, to listening to people's experiences. There's just so many ways people can express themselves. It just makes me think about what's popular culture, what are social norms, and how uh, creating like creating culture um, is a way to create more space for for representation. I can't hear very high or very low pitch. So for me, to hear the fire alarm in most places, I don't hear it. Growing up, it was hard to become an individual because so many times defined by my disability instead of as an individual. So I feel like I had the need to prove myself because I had no idea what my identity is and because people based it on my disability, again, not as an individual. So I went on trying to prove that I can do this, I can do that. And so far, after going through all that, I find it very hard to stop that I don't need to prove myself anymore, that I'm good enough as it is. So it's been hard to take it down and off, saying, okay, I can relax, I can do this. There's no need to prove myself anymore. That's what I do, is I listen to people's stories um, every day and um, and it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting job because I'm in a small office and people go to this really vulnerable place really quickly. And I think a part of that is the space that's being created. So I feel like listening is, it's very much, I'm listening with my whole body. It's not, I feel like listening with my ears is actually a very small part of what I do. Like I most listen the best when like someone is like truly sharing and you know when someone is truly sharing. Like, you know it because you're like, it's like, it's, you know, it's like, you just know because it, they're speaking from the heart. You can, you can feel that. It's not as easy as just saying, here's the answers. I feel like as individuals, we all have like all these, like as an individual package, we all have these things that we need to deal with. And if you're not dealing with them, sometimes it can be really hard to listen. 
life is everywhere and that life is communicating to us all the time and not just to us but like to each other and and it's you know there's that shift in you know my thinking that's of this one way of looking at the world and and being open to like this world that is so vastly and beautifully and intricately connected and dynamic When I'm listening for the harmony, it's like I'm searching. And and then when you know you've got it, it's just like you're so excited. Your body, everything is in that sound that, that comes out of you. And one time I was sitting in the Station Inn, which is a bluegrass club in Nashville, after a show with Janet McLaughlin, who's another songwriter, and there was her, myself, and Richard. I can't remember his last name. He was the guitar player. And she was waiting to be paid or whatever, I don't know. We were sitting on the stools up at the bar, and she started singing, um, If you ever change your mind. You know that song? Is it Sam Cooke? I think, yeah. And Richard and I just, boom, jumped right in, because we were her her backup singers, started singing three-part harmony with that song. I'd never done it before. She was doing all these little twirly leads, and Richard and I followed every note that she sang in three-part with the harmonies. And when we were done, we all just sat there with our mouths open. It was like, holy cow, that was really cool. We ought to work that in, you know, that kind of feeling. It was, but I never forgot that because it felt like being in a, in a, in a, I don't know. I, you were in something. You were in like a, a movement of energy, almost like water that just sort of took you and twirled you around, and you, you just kept going until you got to the end of it and went. Oh. 